Uh, David Cameron's memoirs were released with promises of insider scoops, details about the Brexit referendum, what really went on, and more refreshingly, or perhaps more interestingly, about the man himself. Regardless of who the subject of these kind of books is, they're common, aren't they? And they make the newspaper headlines with details about other people that we're interested in, whether that be royal family, other politicians, other celebrities. We love knowing the truth about people, particularly celebrities and politicians and leadership and so on. We want to know the truth, and there's a massive industry about helping us to know that truth. And yet, according to the research, we want to know about others, but we don't want them to know about us. In some research a couple of years ago, when it came to how we use social media, less than 20% of us gave a completely accurate reflection of our lives. The way we use social media is to distort reality, to distort people's views of us. As this quip says, if my life was half as good as I claim it is on Facebook, I wouldn't need to be on Facebook. It's a strange thing, isn't it? We need to know the truth about others, but struggle to let others know the truth about us. And I wonder if that's because it gets to the heart of one of our biggest fears in life. As author Timothy Keller says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. To be loved by people who don't really know us, that's great, isn't it? We can easily put a mask on, pretend so that people love us, present ourselves, act in a certain way so that people love us. Anyone can do that and be sort of loved, but of course the problem is they don't really love us. They love a presentation of us. They love a caricature of us. We really long to be loved as we really are. Warts and wobbles and all. To be fully known and fully loved. And that's why it's so painful, isn't it? When those closest relationships to us the ones who know us the best, when those relationships fracture, that's why they are so painful. And many of us know the reality of that deep, deep, lasting pain. Well, in this psalm, we come face to face with an astonishing truth. We come face to face with one who really does know us and even knows us more than we know ourselves. And he's there with wide open arms. And for some of us in this room, we're at the beginning of a journey of getting to know Jesus. We may not even call ourselves Christians. We're just exploring what that means. We've seen others and we thought there's something there, but not for me. We're not sure. This morning, we begin to get a glimpse of just how God sees you. You are fully known and fully Loved. Listen again to these verses from the very beginning. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word's on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. 
You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. I don't get it. And you may have picked up some different words there at just how well known we are by God. Three different words. He knows us. He perceives us. He's familiar with us. They're each slightly emphasizing a different thing. Here they are. That word know is reflecting that he understands by seeing us. He doesn't just know information from a distance. He hasn't read an article about us or seen what's on social media. No, he sees us as we really are. He knows us because he's clocked us. But also he perceives us. That word is more than just seeing. He has the right understanding about us. He doesn't buy the spin or the mask or the social media filters that we put on our lives. He sees through those Instagram filters. He knows us. He has the correct understanding of who we really are. So he sees us. He really does see us. He knows the real us. And also that final word, familiar, is a relational word. It's not just knowledge about us. He's intimately aware. You know that kind of intimacy when you live with somebody, the kind of intimacy you therefore have that others don't see. I wonder if you've ever had some good friends to stay and they stay overnight. And there's that awkward moment in the morning where you see each other in pajamas. And it takes the relationship to kind of another level, doesn't it? I'm not alone in that, I know. Where you see people who are normally with all their makeup and their hair and bits of clothing and all that sort of stuff, and you see them in their jammies, it's a different level of intimacy, isn't it? God is familiar with you. He really does know you in an intimate way. And so, he knows everything about us, the facts, and is intimately committed to us in a relationship, or to put it a different way, he gets you and has really got you. He gets you, not a presentation of you. And he's got you, not a presentation of you. Let me illustrate this with two football-related stories, and I apologize if you're not a Liverpool fan or if you're not a football fan. <laughs> Liverpool fans will remember last season's Champions League final when Liverpool won. Yay. And there's this photo of Captain Jordan Henderson with the manager, Jurgen Klopp. Here it is. And you see the real raw emotions of it, where the captain is just in tears with this manager. Such joy. They know each other, but they've also known the journey of where they've got to. So much so that I saw this Father's Day card about this. I love this Father's Day card. You know that feeling when you see Jurgen Klopp cuddling his captain after winning the Champions League? I love you more than that. <laughs> There's a sense of intimacy and commitment in that relationship. Knowing the pain, knowing the journey, knowing where it's got to up till now. But as a father, I love you even more than that. Wow, that kind of knowledge. But if you may remember, if you're a Liverpool fan, there was a different photo that made the headlines from that Champions League final. Here it is. 
This is also Jordan Henderson, but this time with his father after the game. And his father who had battled cancer. And here was a beautiful moment with son and father in raw intimacy and emotion. Where the father knows what this means to his son and the son knows the relationship they have. And cameras all around clocking. This is not just tears about Yippee winning the Champions League. There is way more. This is real father and son. He knows him and he has got him. Or another football photo. Not from Liverpool this time. But you remember the photo from the World Cup last year. And England had just lost in the semi-finals Croatia. Done way better than we thought we had. And Gareth Southgate had done way better than anyone thought he would. No one had expected them to get that far. They've just lost the semi-final of the World Cup. And there was a photo that appeared the next day that I think summarizes the sort of knowledge that we are talking about. Here it is. A photo with Gareth Southgate and his wife after the game, after the cameras had gone, after the press had gone, after the crowds have gone. And you see in that photo both intimacy and commitment. There is someone, she knows the journey that he has got to. Way more than any press, way more than any rest of the team. And yet she's also got him. He is known and is also committed to. But what's astonishing with God is that his commitment and knowledge is greater and more committed than any human relationship, whether it be friendship, family, romance, whatever. Even the most intimate and committed people still discover things about each other and go, what? I won't ask for a show of hands, but you ever had that moment where you're with someone you know really, really well, a really good friend on holiday? Or a colleague at work that you really know, think you've worked with for years. Or a parent who does something and you have this sort of reaction. Where you think, where did that come from? We all have those moments, don't we? And yet, God doesn't. You are known for who you really are. And he is committed with all that he is. Listen again. Verse 7 and 8, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Everything, everything. And not only that, it's not just now. This has been the reality all along. Do you see those beautiful words? Even before we came to be, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. So, so not only does he know everything about you now, he always has done, even from the very beginning of your existence. That's how known you are. And yet all the time, he's committed to you. In a moment, I've invited somebody to come up and share their own personal perspective on this psalm. Because the impact, the reality is, this psalm impacts us all in different ways. But we do get a picture of God 
who knows the real truth about you. Knows your motivations, knows your knowledge, knows the reasons you made decisions, knows what's happened in your past, knows what's going to happen in the future. Always has done so and is fundamentally committed to you, come what may. And after John, in a moment, has shared his perspectives, we'll very briefly unpack a few practical things of what this means for us. So now I'd love to invite John Goodliffe. Now, John, you may know, uh, John uh, finished his university course in the summer. Uh, He's been part of Riverside for many, many years and has been away as a student. And he's spending his year with us as a staff team, getting to know God better, getting to know himself better, getting to know a sense of what God might be calling him to It's a joy to have John with us, I have to say. He's a legend. (laughs) Uh, But I've asked him uh, to share some of his own personal perspectives just for a few minutes on this psalm. So why don't we give John a round of applause. John, come on up. Hi. Morning. It's lovely to be here. I'm not often at Bourneville, um, and it's always a real joy to come. Um, And I'm here for the next few weeks. That's really good. I'm really looking forward to it. so yeah, yeah, it was um, a real good challenge when Tim asked me to take a look at the psalm, Psalm 139, and think about what I took from it. Um, I think for me, the, the the thing that really stuck out with me was that that phrase, search me. Um, it appears right at the beginning of the psalm and then right near the end. Um, and I think the reason why it initially kind of stuck with me was because it reminded me of that expression that we use when we, when we want to say we, we don't know something. You know, we say, oh, search, search me, I don't know. And it just kind of really struck me that actually that's the complete opposite with, with God's understanding. You know, he, he does know. And it's almost as if when we say, oh, search me, it's like saying, you know, you can investigate all you like for the information that you want, but you're not going to find it. And actually with God, it's the complete opposite, isn't it? It's a real contrast. Um, he does know, and he, he has got that, that information. Um, verse 1 says, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. Um, God's put the word, the work in. He He's done the the intentional, thorough looking, the searching with a purpose, and as a result, He knows us. And I just think that's amazing. He knows us intimately. Um, and then in verse four, it speaks about how um, how He knows us completely. Um, it says, even before a word is on my tongue. And so it's that real total and that intimate knowledge and understanding of us that is is beyond our comprehension. It says, uh, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Um, and so I think the challenge really of the psalm is to say those words, search me, and to, to really mean it. Because actually, we can say, oh yeah, search me, God. But Actually, what are we doing when we're saying that? It's an invitation, isn't it, for God to come into our lives. It's a request. It's it's um, a, a need to be close with Him. Um, it's 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 an act of submission, really, isn't it? It's us saying, God, please come, be be near me. Um, and and so verses five and seven talk about this real tight hemming in. It says from behind and before um, of of God. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Um, and I heard a really great quote, um, which said, God is closer to me than I am myself. God is closer to me than I am to myself. And uh, yeah, that that is the the intimacy that um, that comes with God drawing near in searching us. It's that real kind of tight 
hemming. And when, when I think of the word hemming, I think of, you know, a piece of clothing or some curtains or something. And it's that real kind of like tight, making sure it's, it's fixed and it's in position. Um, and so I think that that's a comfort for us, that, that intimacy, that, that drawing near to God. Um, it's that, that intimacy that we as humans long for, isn't it? Um, but I think it's also really hard, actually, when we stop and think about it and say, oh, actually, wait, do I want God to do that? Do I really want God to, to search me, to uncover all my, you know, hidden secrets and um, our, our offensive ways, it says in verse 24? Um, it means that we can't anymore um, hide or disguise ourselves from, from God and who he is. Um, and that's scary. Um, so by asking God to search us, we're... I see it as we're in effect where we're asking him to examine us and, and scrutinize us almost kind of scientifically. Um, and then what comes from that is actually there's, there's a change. We're not just asking God to come and have a look. There's a change that comes from that. And I think that's really hard because I don't know about you, but I find change in general just really difficult. Transitions are really hard. And I think we as, as human beings are quite like that. We don't like change. We don't want to change. And so it's a really hard request. Um, so it, in fact, I think, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an invitation and it's a request. Um, but actually, you know, verse one says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. So it's it's already happened. God already knows about us. It's not, you know, oh, he doesn't know and I hope he won't find out. But actually, you know, it says your frame, sorry, my frame was not hidden from you. And actually it's that kind of like, oh, wow, gosh. So it's it's a mixture of an invitation on the one hand, God, come search me. And on the other, it's a, oh, God, you, you've searched me. Wow. It's that, that invitation and that statement of, of fact. Um, and actually, that statement of fact continues throughout the passage. Um, and we see God's real understanding of us, that deep understanding. It said um, in the first few verses, you know and you perceive, you discern, you're familiar with me. Um, and then that's put in the context of the, the, the next few verses in the, in the middle part of the, of the psalm, where it says you created and you knit, you wove. And it's that kind of factual knowledge coming in together with relational knowledge. And when the two to come together, um, that's when we really discover kind of how much God really understands us. And to me, it's, it's a little bit like this. Um, uh, often when people come around to our house, um, they come into our living room and we've got a really lovely, really original coffee table. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a sculpture effectively of a seal coming on the, on the ground and then he poking his head up above the glass of the water. And it's a really beautiful table. Um, and a lot of people that see it comment on it saying, oh, that's a lovely table. That's nice. What's the story behind that? And, um, and actually, it, it's a great story because that was, my uncle is the one who made it. He, um, he's, he's an artist, a sculptor by trade. Um, and so he made that um, and gave it to my parents as a wedding gift. Um, and so it's been a really lovely central part of our of our home for the past however many years um and now that table wasn't just a, a fluke it wasn't a kind of give it a go and, and let's see kind of job it was a real um a design a creation 
um, you know, he, this, that's my uncle's job to do that sort of thing. Um, and over the years, he's created some, he's designed and created some really gorgeous pieces. Um, and, you know, he works by himself in a studio, no factory or anything, no other people. He, he draws up the plans himself, he designs, he, he sources the materials, he checks the quality, he does all the planning, he makes the, the molds for the sculptures, then he makes it, he, you know, finishes it off, polishes, ships it, sells it all himself. And, um, and uh, he sees the idea through from the very beginning to the very end. And so he knows the work really, really intimately. He's seen the blank sheet of paper at the beginning, and then he's gone right up to shaking the client's hand at the end. And so he knows every step of the, of the journey. And so actually, um, that means that my Uncle Derek knows that table and all the other tables he does and everything else he does really, really well. He knows really intimately. Um, and so just as he knows about his work, through the act of designing it, creating it, and finishing it off and all that. God, too, knows about us really deeply. And I think that's the, the, the kind of factual elements and the relational elements coming together. God knows about me because he knows me, and he knows me well. So what we are is known to God, and who we are, I think, is known to God. And I think that's really great. Thanks, Tim. Brilliant. Thanks, John. So helpful. This, what does this mean then to us? Uh, as we get to know him, the one who knows us, what does this mean? Uh, what does this impact for our city, for ourselves? And I think the first obvious thing is this. Uh, he knows our past. It's obvious. We've said it already. But what's helpful, I think, um, is that he knows the truth about our past, and so therefore we don't need to. Because <laughs> so I would guess that there are some of us, as the time of history goes past, what's happened in our past and our motivations and the pressures we were having all the time, and all of that kind of blurs a little bit. And sometimes we get freaked because we think we have to kind of remember things accurately. He knows our past as is. Isn't that liberating? I think that's immensely freeing, actually not all on us. <laughs> but also, he knows our past in terms of he was there when he created us. He crafted us. And so therefore, we're in a society, aren't we, where we all want to be different. Whether that difference is superficial, less wrinkles, less wobbles, less whatever, or more whatever. <laughs> or whether it be inside the kind of way we think, the kind of way we tick, we wish, we wish, we wish. Crafted, created fearfully and wonderfully made. That is what the God of the universe who crafted and created the eight billion plus says about you. Good news. So regardless of what Vogue says about you, he sees you, crafted you, fearfully and wonderfully made. But of course, building on that, therefore, he knows our hurt. Isn't it been tragic over the recent weeks uh, to hear about the Jeffrey Epstein story that's made the headlines and, of course, the repercussions of all that. Isn't it liberating to know that in such situation there is somebody who does see and does know? And I wonder if we forget this for some of us who've lived fairly cloistered lives, 
we forget how freeing this is. That there is one who is a judge, who does know the truth. Trust me, millions of people down through history who have been the little man, stomped upon by the powerful oppressed oppressor, know the freeing reality of this that God sees. There is one day where people will be judged. That's good news. And if we don't get the good news, it's perhaps because we largely have had relatively comfortable things where things haven't been done to us. And that's why if you go on in the Psalms, and we haven't got time to do it, as John and I were talking about this, the Psalm ends in quite an odd place. We wouldn't write the ending of the Psalm like the Psalmist writes the ending of the Psalm. Because then it suddenly goes, after all this beautiful stuff, it suddenly goes apparently very dark. And I think that's why this God who knows everything, sees all of the evil and all of the horrors, and knows the reality about it. How freeing is that? And therefore, as we will come in a moment, the response is only one way possible to respond. So he sees your hurt, friends. Thank you, Lord. But also, of course, he therefore knows our present. He knows the stuff right now that is in our lives as it is. We're excited that in a couple of weeks, a few weeks' time, on the 20th of October, we're going to be having some baptisms. And I guess there are some people here for whom they are followers of Jesus, but you know you've never been baptized because you kind of think you've got to have your life all together and all your questions answered before you do that. And so therefore, it's never the right time because you want to have navigated certain things before you get to that stage. Or maybe you just haven't got round to it and think it's too late. Can I say God knows you? And is there with wide open arms and baptism is simply saying... With all that I am and all that I don't know about who I am, I want to live for you, God, because of all that you've done for me. And so it may be that for one of or two of us here, we know we follow Jesus, or, or actually we've just recently made that decision. Baptism is the logical next step to say before others, yeah, I'm on Jesus' team because of all he's done for me. This God who knows me and gave it all for me. Come and speak to me or Sarah afterwards. We'd love to chat a bit further if you want to. So he knows our present, knows what's going on right now, whether or not it all seems a bit messy. But of course, he also knows our future. For some, I guess, in this room, the future looks very uncertain, perhaps even scary. Those test results, that job stuff, those financial things. I love this verse in the middle of the psalm. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And of course, where do we see that most visibly? As Jesus hung on the cross and it goes dark. Even in that moment. Even the darkness is light to you. Good is coming. Hope. And so, friends, your future can be trusted with the one who knows. The one who's got you. And he gets your questions. And he shows this because he's fundamentally committed to us. Like a parent that knows everything about the child and still loves 
We use the word love a lot. God loves us. Yeah, but actually, even more than that, he is fundamentally committed to you, come what may. The knowledge about you won't change his rock-solid commitment to you, friends. That's worth shouting about. That's why we run Alpha here. Alpha is simply an opportunity to get to know a little bit more about this God who really has given it all for you. And it may be for you, you've got questions you want to grapple. We're starting a new Alpha series on the 1st of October. Brilliant opportunity to come. There's a meal. Really do come along. But also, it might be that you've got friends, people in your world for whom you know they've got questions that they're grappling with. Alpha's the perfect place to just explore openly. We've all got questions. Millions around the world have done so. Please do come along or invite friends to do so. That's why we run it. That's why we want to help people get to know Jesus. Because in a society in which we all pull on masks to be accepted, there is one who made us, loves us, has got plans for us without the masks. So can I ask, do you know him? Do you want to get to know him more? That's why our society needs to know the one who really knows us. And the right response is really only the last words of this psalm, isn't it? Which we're going to pray in a minute. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting.